Welcome to the PA Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. The PA Leadership Podcast highlights aspiration, inspiration, and innovation in education during times of adversity and prosperity. Now to your hosts, Dr. Greg Coons and Dr. Mark Hoffman. All right, welcome to the PA Leadership Podcast. My name is Greg Coons, and I'm the Executive Director from Schuylkill Intermediate Unit 29. And I'm Mark Hoffman, the Executive Director of the Bucks County Intermediate Unit. Intermediate Units, you ask, what are they? Well, we are the agile entrepreneurial service agencies that support the schools, students, and families of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Greg, today's episode, we have members of our team. Yes, we do. How I, cool is that? It's it's great. It's a really it's the exciting. first time we've had people from our respective values on the podcast. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a great moment for us, and you know, to highlight the great work from our IUs. Um, so, what better way to talk about social work and the importance of social work, especially at this time? Um, just on a on a personal note, this this episode is special to me because my late father, uh, uh, Paul D. Coons, um, was a social worker at the White Haven Center. Um, if anyone ever remembers the White Haven Center there. Um, and he he brought us up. I have two brothers and two sisters. He brought us up to really respect the the uniqueness that every child, that every human being brings to the table um, and and really helping those who don't have a voice to have a voice um, and truly to listen to to people and and to help help them uh, help reach out. To those in need. So again, uh, this podcast focuses on innovation and education during times of adversity. Uh, like we said, we have uh, two really great people here with us, two great professionals from RIUs. Um, our special guests are critical supports in our school systems and have diverse experiences within the social work, uh, special education, and human services fields. So our first special guest is Jennifer Hartwig, uh, who serves as the Director of School Age Services at Bucks County IU. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate the invite. You're welcome. And our second special guest is Gretchen Whitman, who is a social worker with the School Kill Intermediate Unit and also serves with the School Kill Technology Center. Welcome, Gretchen. Thank you. Good morning. I appreciate this opportunity. Greg, I know you so well, and so I know you're going to want to know that her last name is pronounced Hertwig. Hertwig. I yeah. I, I I figured that out after I said it. I just couldn't let it go. Yeah, I know. I'm a former English teacher. You wouldn't know it, but I am. <laughs> welcome, Doctor Hertwig. <laughs> Thank you. And welcome, uh, welcome, Gretchen, as well. Um, we're just thrilled that you're both here to talk about mental health needs um, in schools. Yes. You know, sometimes this can get conflated with safety. Uh, yes, we actually does. had a, a podcast episode uh, that's on that topic as well. So hopefully this is sort of a nice complimentary focus on just what's happening in schools as it relates to mental health. Definitely, definitely. Gretchen, uh, just a quick question for you. Speaking of that, what what are some of the current supports that are being provided in schools as it relates to mental health and how have those needs changed or evolved and how do you see the supports that we're providing changing and evolving in response? Well, certainly, um, you know, as we all know, COVID um, has has accelerated or changed so many things, so many needs that were already um, in existence prior to the pandem- pandemic have um, really exploded um, since that time. Um, so, but but most schools, especially in our county, um, employ at least one uh, social worker. 
uh, per building. And that person really has become the mental health expert um, on the ground, as well as, you know, social work traditionally has been the person who helps with access to resources like, you know, homelessness and um, access to health care and uh, food or shelter. Um, so, uh, you know, although social workers, certainly, you know, the demand for, for need has increased, um, the di diversity of social work um, job description, um, again, really has expanded. Um, our county also employs behavior interventionists and crisis interventionists um, in, in a significant portion of our schools, and that helps too. And certainly, as I mentioned previously, since the pandemic, we are seeing an increase in the mental health needs of our students and our staff, I, I would note. Um, and so the kids you know, are coming to school with more significant needs, particularly, you know, anxiety and depression, isolation, um, and just concern about, you know, their their present and their future, given that the world is sometimes, um, you know, an unstable place. Okay. Thank you, Gretchen. I appreciate that. And I, we really hear that. I, we've heard this a lot. We've experienced it, that the pandemic really isolated so many children um, and families. And, you know, we're seeing the longtime repercussions because of that. Um, so again, thank you for all you do um, and, and Jen for all you do. So Jennifer Hurtwig, we got it right that time. Um, as you know, this podcast highlights innovation and in education during times of adversity. Uh, would you be able to share with us what types of innovative resources are out there um, that can help in, in promoting positive mental health for our students and staff for that matter. Sure. And, and there are so many. I think Gretchen highlighted a little bit about how things have changed for us after the, pan the pandemic. And in one area things have changed is how we are able to deliver resources to families and students in more innovative and creative ways through apps, for instance, and th there are multiple apps that school districts use either to monitor the social emotional well-being of students and staff and or to promote the development of co good healthy coping skills strategies like the Calm app would promote or Headspace where you can walk through a guided visualization or some breathing exercises. Those kinds of innovative pieces of technology have opened up a world of possibilities and opportunities for students and their families. It's also created a number of opportunities for our school district staff, particularly our social workers and some of our mental health clinicians or school counselors, to create little mini videos, video clips that families and students can watch at home. So we have some carryover between what we're teaching at school and what can be brought into the home with respect to things like self-care and self-regulation, uh, particularly around emotional and behavioral needs. And these kinds of things, I think the biggest innovation actually when you ask that question is truly the awareness that mental health and self-care has received over the past couple of years, given what we've all been going through th through the pandemic. And that kind of awareness allows for much more creativity in our schools. And we're seeing that through the use of technology, through the use of capacity building, through hiring social workers, through a recommitment to multi-tiered systems of support for social and emotional well-being and wellness and 
I, I think it's limitless when you talk about what could occur in our schools now as a result of the pandemic and what we can do with respect to making certain all students are safe. So Jen, that's such a good point. It's a valid point that you make is that, you know, mental health is one of those things that we, we used to not talk about. We used to not address. Um, and now more than ever, it's, it, it's part of every discussion. It really is everything mm -hmm. that we do. Um, on this podcast, we've featured the, the value of relationships. Um, to uh, to see, seek out the individual needs of every student, um, all these types of things. So that really reverberates with us uh, because this is a, a lot, that, like I said, mental health has been at, at the core of, uh, of everything we've been talking about. So um, it occurred to me, some of our listeners might not even know that school districts employ social workers, right? I mean, uh, it might be that they might only know that we had guidance counselors, for example, or their, their children or in their career, they didn't uh, interface with a social worker. Jen, it occurred to me that you supervise a, a cross-disciplinary team at the intermediate unit of folks that, and this won't be inclusive because our team is so uh, diverse and complex. We've got social workers, we've got school counselors, we've got uh, psychologists, we've got um, mental health-related folks in our partial hospitalization program. Can you give a sense of how that team works together to support the overall mental health of individual students as it relates to their plans or to the overall school community and what, what, those, what those folks do? I'm sure I can give you... Uh, that they all have that common goal, certainly. And because there are multiple positions like a school psychologist, a school counselor, and a social worker who might have some overlap in their roles, it's pretty critical that they work collaboratively and cooperatively with some role clarification and definition to ensure they're meeting the needs of our students. I know Gretchen alluded to, and, and part of this podcast is about the role of the social worker, and the role the social worker plays is so critical with that interagency piece, connections, in the community, to other resources and agencies that can help support the whole child, right? Not just the child who we see in school, but the child who returns home to whatever resources and supports might be necessary to help that child navigate that. The school psychologist who would be traditionally, when we think of a school psychologist in the school setting, we're thinking about someone who's doing evaluations and re-evaluations. However, our school psychologists are also highly trained in mental health response, and they conduct threat assessments and can be really proactive in setting up systems and classrooms to assist a teacher or other students in conflict resolution or school-wide PBS, positive behavior supports. Our school counselors are responsible for an entire curriculum that many people are not aware of. They think school counselors, when they think of school counselors, they think of, right, the person who might be administering an assessment, a, P, a PSSA assessment, or someone who's looking at a transcript. However, school counselors have a responsibility to work through the sort of character building curriculum and so some social emotional learning uh, curriculum with our students. And then they have a role in helping to provide some of those universal supports that are going to provide education to students and hopefully some training and techniques in really healthy coping skills. So I hope that got to your question there, Mark. Uh, absolutely. I think it's just important for folks to see that it's a comprehensive team and that nothing's done in isolation and that Things are done in partnerships with parents, of course, with school administrators, with supervisors. And I just wanted to make sure that folks knew that these things don't just happen in isolation, that these right. are things that are right. done intentionally and really um, collaboratively. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> and thank you, Jen. Um, and I wanted to ask Gretchen um, a question here. And 
uh, Gretchen, when we were prepping for the podcast, we t- she talked about how you know the boots on the ground. She's the boots on the ground. She's out there working with students, working with families on a daily basis. Um, so as a leader in the human services field, Gretchen, uh, what advice would you recommend to promote positive mental health in our schools and communities? Well, I, I think we've come a long way. And I think Jen touched on the fact that actually there's been a blessing in disguise with COVID um, that now mental health has really come to the forefront of many people's um, you know, ideas of what schools can provide or what we assist with. So again, that is a blessing. I mean, and, and who would have thought um, that that's kind of where we would have come after the pandemic. Um, however, I think it's important to think about mental health just as we have forever uh, thought about physical health in schools. You know, um, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Coons, you know, Larissa Russell, who's our sure, interagency sure. coordinator, uh, she and I work closely together. We, we speak weekly. Um, and and her her thought is that, you know, for forever, schools have been assessing um, hearing and they've been assessing uh, speech needs and they've been assessing even weight and BMI. Um, and, and we've gotten to a place, I think, where it's very clear we also need to somehow find a way to destigmatize mental health and to assess the mental health needs of our students and somehow make it easier for us to access uh, referrals to mental health needs, just as we have forever with some physical needs. So again, you know, again, I think the COVID um, uh, crisis has really brought some of, of what those of us who are the boots on the ground have known forever and have kind of said, help, you know, we need you help, please. Um, there's a lot of need out there. I think now it's very evident of, of what that need is. And I think um, my advice would be that we find as schools ways to destigmatize access to quality mental health care. Um, and, you, you know, we allow our students and families and staff, again, the adults in the building still need support um, because they are really the front line uh, defense when it comes to helping these students uh, succeed. And I think we have to find a way to make that um, more accessible and less stigmatized. One of the things that, Greg, I was going to say that I love about this podcast is that we get to highlight things that intermediate units do through yes. the amazing staff that are guests on the show. And so obviously today, episode two amazing examples of that. And I think you both have experience with the flight teams or the crisis response teams or in Bucks County, what we call the prepare team. Uh, which are the which are the cross divisional folks that Jen already mentioned, like uh, you know the, the counselors, the social workers, the psychologists, all responding when a school district or even when our own organization has a crisis, and that crisis could be anything from you know a tragedy to um, something related to a, a, a natural disaster, a physical disaster. I I just want folks to understand the role that intermediate units and service agencies across the country can play in supporting their local communities in that regard. And I thought, Jen and Gretchen, if we could just spend a couple of minutes talking about what that looks like. Jen, um, start with you. Do you want to talk about what crisis response, the prepare team in Bucks County looks like and where it came from and what the districts are asking us to do for them? Uh, sure. And the reason I'll start with the reason why we are called the prepare team is because we use the model that was created by the National Association of School Psychologists, which is called the prepare model. And so we've just adopted that as our team name. And the model in and of itself is extremely comprehensive and looks at prevention, intervention, and postvention for school crisis. The difference between this model and other crisis intervention or response models is that it was designed specifically with schools and the unique school community and students in mind. So in our in our county, in Bucks County, we might receive a call from a district who had some type of a tragedy. 
and we could be asked to respond sort of behind the scenes, as Dr. Hoffman was talking about prior to the podcast, where we might be assisting the administrative team or the communications team in drafting communications that might go out to the community or and the students and the staff to make sure a consistent message that is well-crafted is sent to all individuals within that community. Or we might be asked to come out and provide actual supports and interventions, psychological triage, helping to reestablish social supports, actual psychological education or individual and group counseling. So uh, the involvement uh, from a preparer response team might vary from really some guidance and direction via a phone call and maybe drafting some communications all the way to a complete response that could last days or weeks, depending on the nature of the event. Gretchen, does that resonate with you for for Schuylkill? I mean, I, I understand that you've actually been a part of a lot of the responses, right? Yes, she has. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and we have a similar model um, as Jen talked about. Um, um, our interagency coordinator at the Schuylkill IU um, uh, again is kind of the coordinator of who ends up responding. But all of the school social workers in our county are on the team. We actually have so many school social workers willing to do that now that we had to like alphabetize. Um, who responds when, because um, we have so many people willing to do that. And really that comes out of the collaboration. And I think Jen, you touched on this as well. You know, we've spent a lot of time collaborating um, in times of non-crisis in order to build those relationships so that when something does happen, we're familiar with, um, you know, the people who work in that district. And our IU under Greg's leadership really does a nice job, I think, of being kind of the hub of those services for our county. And, you know, over the 16 years that I've been um, in this position, um, it's amazing the relationships that have developed and and therefore the services that then we can provide because people know who we are and what we do and what, what we can provide for them. So we actually meet uh, quarterly and we we do some training with our team um, in order again to be prepared and and uh, talk about things that we can do to be uh, preventative because of course that's really the goal here is to pre- prevent a tragedy or crisis. But when a crisis occurs, we're ready and we um, you know we have a protocol in place to respond. Um, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, our student assistance program is also, I think, integral in, in the uh, response team. I want to mention that as well. You know, uh, certainly as soon as a student assistance program in Pennsylvania is is also, um, you know, crucial to to the mental health needs of our families. And um, so we rely also on our SAP liaisons um, as part of our uh, response team because they are, you know, in the school, that particular district, perhaps on a regular basis. And again, I just would go back to saying that the relationships that we develop over time um, really have mattered and really have helped those teams um, be able to be um, efficient and helpful. Gretchen, thank you. And I, I was really, I was happy to hear you say that, that we're a hub. Yeah. We've talked about, Mark and I have talked about that in the past, about how intermediate units, you know, they bring people together. Um, and we found that out more than ever during the pandemic. We did. Uh, you know, we, we were a conduit for information and mm-hmm. resources. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and we enti- we titled this the Social Work Network. And uh, Gretchen J- and Jen just talked about the importance of relationships. So, I, I really think that resonates as well. And their leadership shines through. Sure does. Yeah. And I think it just sort of leads to the next logical question that we, we tend to ask. Yes, we do. A lot of our guests. Yeah. So, uh, can you each tell us about your leadership journey? So, what brought you here? 
How'd so, you wind up in the positions you're in? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So Jen, do you want to start? Sure. Um, my my journey. I always say my journey actually began um, from from birth, from <laughs> because I was born into a family of nine. And wow. there, there's nothing that prepares you for all of the challenges in life than having eight siblings. <laughs> so um, that's where my journey really began and probably what prompted my interest in studying psychology. And so I started my career as a mental health counselor working in public mental health for a good eight years or so before deciding that. Um, and as a CASP coordinator, which many people aren't really familiar with that term, but I bet Gretchen is aware of what that term means as a social worker. After a little stint doing that, I decided to enter the school system, feeling that there wasn't a whole lot of mental health expertise in the schools at that time. And of course, I was going to come in and solve all the problems. And um, maybe I'm helping to solve some of them, but I certainly haven't solved them all at this point. And from my career as a school psychologist, I then entered into special education administration. And it's kind of how I eventually landed in the Bucks County Intermediate Unit, which is a really great fit for me because of its entrepreneurial and innovative spirit, as well as its dedication to truly being that that hub and that community service center for all things. And that's kind of how I landed here. So thanks for asking. Right. Thank you, Jen. And Gretchen, um, Gretchen comes from a long line of the Liebermans. And this is Mr. and Mrs. Lieberman. Uh, that's uh, Gretchen's maiden name uh, for our listeners. Um, they did a quite a fabulous job with their their children. You can see it. It shines through in Gretchen in her daily work. Um, so Gretchen, I'm just going to lead you off with that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And Jen, you have some, you and I have something in common. I have seven, I'm one of seven. Um, and, and I'm the oldest of seven. I think that's important to know, by the way, because I've learned how to tolerate all kinds of things, having four brothers um, underneath me. Um, and that's, you know, tongue in cheek, of course. But um, I, I agree with you. I think my journey began, it began as, as part of my family's uh, experience was that my parents were very much um, social justice oriented. Um, my father's an attorney, but he very much was, you know, fighting for the for the little the little guy and um, instilled that in me. And also, I went to a Jesuit university, which was very social justice oriented. And I, you know, thought I was going to be a chemistry major, and here I am um, because I really fell in love with. It was in an urban setting, and I fell in love with volunteer work in homeless shelters and. You know, I just found myself um, loving uh, loving the helping profession, and um, did a, a uh, I worked in Boston for a while as well, and and there I worked with an adolescent population in foster care, and and fell in love with the adolescent population at that point, um, and so my fit in a high school setting, often with impoverished or or needy kids, um, works well for me, and I'm just uh, grateful that I have the opportunity to do what I love and also live in the community now where I grew up, where I grew up and where I raised my children. So um, again, I feel fortunate to be able to give back, but also am very fortunate for the experiences that I've had that have, you know, molded who I am today. Well, thank you, Gretchen. And thank you, Jen. Um, again, appreciate you having on you on this podcast. Uh, when Mark and I were talking about this, you, both of your names came to mind. Um, and uh, it, you really, like, like I said before, your, your abilities, your, your background, your experience, it all shines through uh, just hearing about your stories. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you for listening to the PA Leadership Podcast, where we highlight innovation and in education during times of adversity. 
Until next time, make it a great day and innovate PA.